on continue. Well, as we've um, already spoken of again earlier, today is the, the concluding um, Sunday looking at our vision scenarios. And today's vision scenario is that our vision is to grow Christ-centered disciples who actively respond to God's heart for justice. Now, when Jackie was asking people, you know, if they remembered the six, uh, it seemed from where I was sitting that people were struggling. And that's why we began the year with that really simple message that ultimately it's about loving God and loving people. Okay, so the first three, uh, worship, prayer, and discipleship, are about loving God. And then the final three, global mission, local mission, and justice, are about loving people. So our vision as a church is to love God and to love people. And each of these vision scenarios are putting legs on that. This is how we're going about it practically. And today we've heard some of the practical things that are happening. I just want to take a few minutes of your time to look at the biblical reason why doing justice is important and why we as a church leadership have decided that it needs to be one of our core vision areas. Now, when you open up the Hebrew scriptures or what we know as the Old Testament, it becomes evidently clear um, that... God's, that, that God, God's heart is for justice. And there are so many passages that speak about justice, this Hebrew word mishpat, which means judgment, but it also has inflections of restoration. So it's about restoring things to the correct way that they were meant to be. We live in a broken world, don't we? And right, we see from the very beginning of Genesis when sin enters in, things start to become fractured and broken and chaotic. And the idea of justice is about restoring that which is broken to its original intended purpose. And that is, I guess, the heart of what justice is about. Now, when we look at the Hebrew Scriptures, there are two things that are evidently clear. And the Scriptures primarily speak, firstly, about God's heart for justice, who He is. And so many of the passages, and I'll share just a few... Uh, are about the fact that God is just, that his character, that his nature is intrinsically just. It's who he is. Just like the scriptures talk about God is love, in the same way the scriptures talk about God is just. So firstly, so many of the Hebrew scriptures speak about a God who is just. The second category that I observe in these scriptures, passages that have this word, mishpat or justice, um, are about how God's people are to live. They are to live justly. We are to live justly. And here's a few verses. So these are some verses that speak about the justice of God, his character, his nature. Deuteronomy 32, 4, he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. And I'm almost singing a scripture in song service, a song there. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. Some of you will know it. Um, Psalm 11:7. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. Psalm 146, 7 to 9. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. 
these next series of verses that I'm going to share with you are the verses that then speak to the people of God about how they are to live. Proverbs 31.8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights who of all who are destitute. Isaiah 56.1, this is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Jeremiah 22.3, this is what the Lord says, do what is just and right Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. And we saw earlier on the screen, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. For each of our vision scenarios, we have tried, as hard as it is, to hang the particular statement on a, on a verse. And you would have seen last Sunday, if you were here, how hard that was to talk about outreach, to talk about sharing our faith, to hang that on one verse, because so many scriptures speak about sharing our faith. And as we've seen here, we've, we haven't even scratched the surface of all the verses in scripture that speak about who God is in terms of his character, that he is intrinsically just, but also all the scriptures that talk about what God's people need to do to respond in, in, in that sense. So it's difficult to hang our hat on one particular verse. However, it's helpful to do that, and the verse that we have chosen is Isaiah 1.17, and it says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. To put this verse in context, we need to understand that Isaiah is a, a big book um, and it's a, it's a very heavy read. There's a lot of prophecy in Isaiah, but the first two chapters are, in a sense, a microcosm of the entire book. They kind of sum up what the rest of the book is, is going to speak about. And at the very beginning, at the start, in chapter 1, we see God, who is like a judge. He's sitting on his throne, and he is casting judgment over his people. Not Gentiles, not people who don't walk with God, but in fact, the people of God, Israel, Judah and Jerusalem. And earlier on in verse 1, um, oh, and sorry, basically God's charge against these people, the Israelites, is that he has been so good and gracious to them. He has rescued them. He has redeemed them. He has given them the promised land. Uh, and yet even still, after all his goodness and all his blessing, they continue to live rebellious lives. They continue to be disgruntled, unhappy children, if you like. This is the language that is used in Isaiah 1. And we see um, in verses 2 to 4, this is the charge that God has against his people. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken as if the heavens and the earth are the witnesses. Okay, so God is the judge and, uh, and those who are being charged are the people of Israel. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. 
The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manager. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord, they have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. And so this charge continues. And a little bit further on, God speaks about their empty worship and how he wants nothing to do with it. They have all of these religious rituals that they do, but it means nothing to God because the whole purpose of worship and rituals is they are supposed to be a demonstration, an outward demonstration of what's actually happening inside the heart. And clearly the heart is not engaged. And so this is what God says for these people to do. This is the worship that he wants from them. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Notice how many verbs there are in this one verse. Learn, seek, defend, take up, plead. To do justice requires activity. It is very active. Notice also the people groups that are mentioned in this verse. The oppressed, the fatherless, the widow. Many of the other passages that speak about justice will include the foreigner and the poor. Uh, In agrarian cultures and in the culture of where these people were these particular groups had very little to no social power they had no economic power and for many of these people groups they were only possibly days or weeks away from starvation if there was a famine in the land or if there was civil unrest these people were very poor and very vulnerable In today's world, we could probably also include refugees, the homeless, single parents, and the elderly to this list of people that that God's people are to actively share God's heart with by actively learning and defending and taking up and pleading and seeking and so forth. To walk with God is to act like God. And we see through the Scriptures that God's heart and the way that God wants to act is by giving justice to those who are suffering, to those who are poor, to those who are marginalised. Now, the thing with the Israelites, and I guess what infuriates God so much, and when we read so many of the prophets, you see the words of Isaiah 117 in in many respects are not unique. They're echoed right through the Old Testament. Is it right from the very beginning, God chose a man, Abraham, and he took Abraham on a journey. Abraham was one person, and all people are created in God's image, and all people therefore are worthy of receiving dignity and and, and fair treatment. And the whole plan, right from the beginning of Genesis 12, when God calls Abraham, is to set a people apart, 
to set a people apart from all the other nations of the world and for that group of people to be radically different. What God does with his people is firstly, first and foremost, he shows them his great love. He rescues and redeems them. He gives them a name. He gives them a place. But then he calls on them to live differently. And we see right through Leviticus and Deuteronomy all of these laws that sometimes can be hard to read through. But the desire and the intent behind those laws is that God's people would be increasingly different, that they would be set apart, that they would be a light for the nations, that other nations would actually be able to look at the people of Israel and see how just they were, see how they looked after the poor and the vulnerable within that own, within their own community. And the Israelite people were supposed to be a light and a witness. But unfortunately, and as we see from many of these passages, they are anything but an example of what God called them to be. When it says in Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. To walk with God is to act like God. The two go hand in hand. Now, I don't have any notes, so I just needed to check where I'm up to. As, if you read the entire Old Testament, um, what you will see, and you read through the prophets... This is just a resounding message that just continues to come through. And the Israelites never got it. They never really became the light that God intended them to be. And so God, in his wisdom, sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus becomes the fulfillment of everything Israel was supposed to do. Every ministry that Israel were called to do we see being exercised and per, per, uh, perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. And here's one example. In Matthew 11:25, John the Baptist wants to know if Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Messiah who would come and be the fulfillment of Israel. And when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the, to the poor. We see from this passage, and certainly, again, the New Testament is filled with them, of examples where Jesus... Uh, where Jesus fulfills this. Jesus seeks justice. He does right. He defends the oppressed. He takes up the cause of the fatherless. He pleads the case of the widow. Jesus feeds the hungry. He raises the widow's son, her only, her only way of having means. Jesus fulfills the ministry of Israel. And so what we see is that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's people. <laughs> and so we might think ourselves better than Israel. We now, the church, who uh, have been set apart to be God's light, to be God's, um, 
resounding lighthouse to the nations. In many respects, the charge for the people of God is no different. Just as Israel was set apart to be different and to be a light, Christians, followers of Jesus, are in exactly the same boat. People are to look at our lives. People are to look at our churches and see that we are radically different. But we don't do it in our own strength. We can't. We have to rely on Jesus. Jesus was the living manifestation of the character and the nature of God. He perfectly fulfilled God's law and God's will. And our trust and our hope is in him. But Jesus left this world... And he gave his spirit to his followers to carry on the work and the ministry that he began. So Jesus puts the task squarely in the hands of those who choose to follow him. We can't do it alone. That's why he has given us his Holy Spirit. And so to be called to the work of justice is to continue the ministry of Jesus, to continue fulfilling God's heart for the poor, and for those who are treated unjustly. And so our vision here at Erina Community Baptist is that we would be disciples who actively respond to God's heart for Jesus. Why would we do that? Because that's what Jesus did, and we are his representatives here on earth. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for today and the opportunity to just spend some time looking at this character, this aspect of your character, that you are just, that your heart is to restore things, to make them right. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people who when we pray the Lord's Prayer, and in particular when we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that we, Lord, would commit ourselves to being part of that solution. And so I pray that you would equip us here at Erina as your people to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your mouthpiece, and to demonstrate the love and care that you have demonstrated to us, to those who are poor and vulnerable and marginalized. Jesus, we thank you for the example of your ministry and through the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, we pray that we could continue and carry on this important ministry in your name and for the sake of your kingdom and ultimately your glory. We pray this in the powerful and wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.